Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Welcome to another episode of Frontline Voices. I'm NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, Colin Durant. Uh, fresh off a few weeks of staycation here in Maine, we were lucky enough to explore the Scudic Peninsula and then take some time to really slow down on Monhegan, which is a uh, Monhegan Island, which is always wonderful. Uh, but now I'm back at it and ready to deliver to you our listeners, the latest news affecting Maine's environment. Now, in this episode, uh, we wanted to talk about a topic that's really been dominating the news cycle over the past week. That's the blockbuster deal brokered in Washington, D.C. by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin called the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, if passed, it would represent the largest ever investment in climate action in U.S. history. So what's in this bill? Why does it matter for Maine people? Uh, we're going to chat with two experts from our national partner groups, the Environmental Defense Fund and National Wildlife Federation, to really get some good insight and much more into this bill. Uh, first, though, I wanted to note a quick update on a topic we've discussed previously here on the podcast. Uh, American Aqua Farms, that's the company behind that huge industrial scale fish farm that's being proposed for Frenchman Bay, dropped their um, lawsuit against the state of Maine. As you'll recall, state agencies recently terminated the project's permit applications. Then American Aqua Farms sued the state, uh, but they dropped it. They were never going to win that lawsuit. Um, uh, but unfortunately, the company has signaled it's not giving up. So this is yet another topic we'll just need to stay vigilant on. And of course, we'll keep you updated about. Um, also, we've talked a lot about the Kennebec River restoring uh, the lower Kennebec by removing four dams uh, there that are owned by Brookfield. We've got a great blog post up by our outreach director, Emmy. Um, that really answers some good uh, frequently asked questions about that topic. So I encourage you um, to check that out if you haven't already. Okay, let's shift gears and begin digging into those details of the Inflation Re Reduction Act. Um, we're going to start by speaking with Toby Short. Toby is the Associate Vice President of Federal Affairs for the Environmental Defense Fund. Toby, thanks so much for joining us today, especially since I'm sure you're real extremely busy in the days leading up to a potential vote in the Senate on the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, I just wanted to start off by asking you, you know, when you're asked to boil down this deal into a few simple sentences, what do you tell people? It's pretty easy. And, and first of all, Colin, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I think this is an opportunity to show that the economy and the environment aren't mutually exclusive decisions. You know, I think that that we have the opportunity here to to pass legislation that will address both of them. Mm -hmm. so from the economy standpoint, it's going to lower costs, it's going to lower inflation. Um, if you look at, at prescription drugs, it's going to lower the prescription drug costs and, and allow you know negotiations. On the environmental side, it, you know it's going to really accelerate. The deployment of clean power, clean transportation, clean manufacturing, 
it's all done in a fiscally responsible manner. Fantastic. I like it. That's a good elevator pitch right there. That's perfect. Um, well, uh, it's, it's really exciting. Like you said, that there, um, that, that these issues come hand in hand. Right. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, this bill is being called the largest investment ever in climate. Um, you mentioned some of those investments, as I understand it, two of the biggest levers, um, are catalyzing more clean energy sources, investing in solutions that help people save money, like heat pumps. I've got some here in our home. They're wonderful. Right. Um, so can you just dig into that? How does this proposed legislation, this deal, uh, encourage these investments, like, like in a practical term? And then what do you think it means to, you know, people, uh, I mean, people across America, but specifically, you know, our listeners, people who live in Maine? No, I, I think that's a great question because, Everybody always looks at the tax side. Uh, we need tax credits. We, you know, we need this. But what the the IRA has is it has grants. It has funding and investments for different agencies. Whether it's EPA, whether it's DOE, DOE. You know, if you look back at, at the bipartisan infrastructure package, set up a lot of new programs. Mm -hmm. And what this comes back and does is it funds a lot of those programs. So oh, your fantastic. heat pumps, for example. You've got grants and loans and other financial instruments that you can access through the Department of Energy. Plus, you have the tax credit side. Right. For a lot of these, we're already moving towards that. And what this is going to do is it's going to it's going to jolt. It's it's going to provide that extra impetus to to, to move quickly. Um, you know, nice. it's, it's the opportunity to say, okay, we're going thirty miles an hour now. Let's go sixty. Yeah. That's super exciting. And I think, you know, we're what Maine has, uh, I mean, uh, demand for heat pumps has just been sort of bonkers here. I mean, I know right. stands apart, but I, there's still a lot more we can do. And that's, I think that's one of the really exciting things we can, I, I love, uh, I love what you just said. We can just accelerate it and, and get, you know, get those, those benefits, those cost savings to people quicker than we might've imagined. Right. I mean, right? again, this goes back to the addressing the economic side of the equation mm -hmm. of, you know, making it more attractive mm -hmm. for you, me, and, and, and everybody that lives in Maine to, to invest in those, those resources and technologies. Yeah. Super important. Cause uh, you know, as a, a lot of our listeners well, no, Maine is heavily dependent on on home heating oil right. and fossil fuels, which are, um, you know, prices are through the roofs. They're highly variable. Right. And so, you know, this is going to be a, a benefit in that way, too. I also understand one of the ways that the Inflation Reduction Act will reduce uh, harmful pollution is by targeting methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas. Can you just tell us why that's important? Well, it's important because... A, if, if you look at the European Union right now, everybody's talking about natural gas and, and supplies. Um, it's a commodity. Mm -hmm. And to literally let that commodity go up and smoke in, in some instances um, is something that EDF has been working on for a long time. And in this bill, you know, there's a methane reduction program. Um, that's going to be able to, to work hand in hand with, with EPA rules and make it more economically advantageous for companies to make sure that they're reducing their methane emissions. You know, a mm. lot of these are, are, you know, if you look back at, at the pipeline reauthorization bill, there was, you know, monitoring, um, 
and leak detection, monitoring, repair, and replacement in there. Um, and, and what this will do is it'll provide the, the economic incentive for companies to do that and, mm -hmm. and to reduce those emissions. And, and as we've seen, you know, methane's a potent greenhouse gas, and right. it, but it's also a low-hanging fruit because mm -hmm. it's a commodity. It, 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 you oh, can interesting. gather it and sell it. Um, and whether that's that's through LNG or whether that's, you know, piping it someplace else, you know, I, so I think it's important. And again, it's working with the the structure that we have to make sure that, that companies have that economic incentive to do that. Nice. Uh, well, like you said, really important. And I know something, like you said, you've been working on, a lot of others have been working on them in, in across the world too. I think there was an international agreement recently right on methane reduction. You're sort of getting out of my lane there. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was. But I know um, a, lot of, a lot of companies are taking it upon yeah. themselves because they see that it is a commodity. Right. It's a valuable commodity. Um, well, I know you've been working on climate action for a long time in D.C. Um, and, you know, I think uh, people um, were really... Uh, sort of bummed when news that a deal might not be brokered. Now there's a lot of hope. I'd like to hear what you're most excited about personally in this bill or the prospects. The process, I'm excited about the prospects. Yeah, there you go. I mean, if you go back <laughs> one week, if, if we were having this conversation a week ago at this time, yeah, you know, the prospects were looking pretty dim. Yeah. One thing that, that when we talk internally at EDF and when I've spoken to people outside of EDF, you know, I, I like using sports metaphors mm -hmm. because I think that it's easy to understand and whether it's swimming to a wall or running through a tape, um, yep. you know, people understand that, you know, it's yep. not over until it's over. And, mm -hmm. and for people that have been working in the, you know, climate movement and environmental movement, it's never really over, but, right. but we have a, there's, there's resilience there. There's tenacity there. We, you know, we, there's passion there and we keep moving along. You know, what people ask me all the time as a lobbyist, what excites you? And what excites me is you start with an idea, you turn it into a policy, and then it gets implemented and, and passed into law. And if this gets passed, that's what's really going to excite me because the things that the environmental community has worked on, the things that EDF has worked on, if you look throughout this bill, there are a lot of policies. You just mm -hmm. mentioned methane for one that EDF has worked on. We worked on heavy and medium duty uh, truck tax credits, new mm -hmm. tax credit. We've worked on refueling. We've worked on, you know, with the thing that the policy that's sort of under the radar right now that people really aren't talking about is Chairman Wyden, who's the Senate Finance Committee chairman, has worked on reforming the tax code to where, where it's tech neutral. Mm -hmm. And you get the tax code based on the amount of greenhouse gas emissions you have. So the less greenhouse gas you emit, the higher your tax credit. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be implemented in 2025, 2026 timeframe. Mm -hmm. So we're moving to a tax structure that, that's more conducive to reducing emissions. Policies like that are what excite me because that's, again, what sets us up for long-term success. Right. And exciting to see them getting to the finish line. Well, I know there are some trade-offs in the bill. I mean, that well, I used to work in politics. That happens. It, it does. Um, uh, and understandably, that it's that's going to frustrate some people. But mm -hmm. on the whole, it's important. I think NRCM, I know EDF, so many others 
think that, uh, you know, it's important to note that this represents, this would represent enormous progress. And I've seen a lot of studies that show, well, not a lot, several studies that show that the emissions reductions um, far outweigh uh, whatever new sort of fossil fuel infrastructure might be supported in the bill. So can you just tell us what we know about how this deal would re reduce emissions to help the U.S. meet its climate goals? Uh, and also states like Maine meet the climate goals we've set in our climate action plan. And we're set by, you know, we have greenhouse gas emissions targets that were set by bipartisan uh, right. majority legislature. Well, if you look at some of the modeling, you know, it shows 40% reductions in greenhouse gases by 2030. Mm -hmm. That's us on our way. Are we going to yeah. need more? Yes. I mean, we're the environmental community. We're never satisfied. And we weren't going to be satisfied if we got everything we wanted. We would always right. find something new to, to, to push for. But this, again, sets us up for long-term success because when we put that infrastructure in place, it's going to be long-lived energy assets, mm -hmm. whether that's in the transportation sector, whether that's in the power sector, and whether it's in the manufacturing. I mean, the thing that gets lost is everybody looks at the transportation and the, the power sector but we're also providing incentives in this bill. We, I'd say Congress, but, <laughs> maybe, but you know, Congress is, is providing incentives in this bill for clean manufacturing. You know, a lot right. of that stuff in our supply chain, you know, that's what's caused inflation. That's what's causing chinks in our armor. If we can bring that and onshore that, that's mm -hmm. going to be incredible. Think of the jobs, think of the economy, the economic benefits to these local and rural communities that are going to cite these, these projects. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's setting us up for that long-term success right. that we can achieve our climate goals, whether it's Maine, whether it's the nation, whether it's down south, um, wherever. And, and like you said, not everything, you know, it, it's not everything you want, but but in politics, you know, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. And and again, this sets us up and starts us and, and gives that jolt to the market that that we really I would say need, but it's already moving that way. But this will really accelerate that that transformation. Yeah, I love that. And like you said, you know, it sets us up for that success. And then we use the tenacity that you were talking about earlier to both, you know, get this passed so it's reality and then keep pushing, keep pushing forward. Well, I, so I thanks so much for this. I just wanted to wrap up with a quick question about what's next for the bill. Now we've been talking about these these the climate legislation in, in Congress for a long time. So I know the timing is a little different, but I think our listeners would like would benefit from understanding just sort of like what uh, the process looks like uh, uh, from here on out. I think, as I understand it, it's Senate and then the House, right? Yes. And then they probably had, I assume they've got to hash out whatever differences they are. Or you no. think it's just, all right, this, so this, tell me. This, yeah. will, this will be a straight up Senate to the House to the president. Gotcha. Um, if it goes that way, which yep. is what we're really working towards. And for your listeners, you know, I'm sure that they know more about budget reconciliation <laughs> in the process than they ever thought they wanted to know, first of all. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's being it's being pushed under a procedural situation where you only need a majority in both the house and the senate usually you need a super majority you know in, in the senate to, to pass legislation but because it's it's budget related you have 20 hours of debate once it's once it's on the floor and that and that could come tomorrow or friday 
you go through that 20 hours and then you vote on amendments and it's called, mm -hmm. and I'm sure people will hear, you know, Votorama. And it's literally anyone from any party from anywhere can offer an amendment. Mm -hmm. And the bill doesn't stop until the members decide it stops. Interesting. And, you know, I think during the budget resolution itself, there were over a thousand amendments filed. I think there were 46 votes. Um, if you think about that, 46 votes times 10 minutes, if that, I mean, if if they can get it that low, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're looking at probably 12 to 15 hours of just voting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you enter into that phase, you know, you, you're sort of, you don't know, you know, because people could vote any way they, they want. Um, and it can change because this is legislation itself. It could change the implementation implications of the mm -hmm. law yeah. uh, but let's say that it does pass the senate it'll then go over to the house it'll probably have two days um i think the um the speaker has has told her caucus be prepared i'll give you 24 hours notice you know it's 700 and some odd pages i'm sure people will want to look at it i'm sure mr golden will want to look at it mm -hmm. um and and make sure that that it is what you know we say it is um so They'll vote on it after that, and then it'll go to the president, hopefully. All right, let's do it. Fingers crossed. Um, well, that was a really helpful rundown, both of the process you just gave us, but then of the entire uh, bill. So I just wanted to, Toby, I just wanted to thank you again for joining us. Um, of course, you know, we're going to be doing what we can here in Maine to encourage our con congressional delegation to get this across the finish line, to support the good work you all are doing. Well, so you, can just, tell me, you can tell Mr. Golden it doesn't have salt in it. So. <laughs> All right, will do. Um, so uh, wish you good luck in D.C. And thanks thank again you. for joining us. Well, thank you all for all your help as well. Well, now I'm joined by Ross Griffin, the Senior Government Affairs Manager for the National Wildlife Federation. Ross, thanks for joining us. From NWF's perspective, I just want to start from your perspective. What are some of the positive impacts that this deal would have on Mainers lives? Uh, thanks, Colin. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, this bill is a pretty big deal, and I, I think it's a good one for Mainers. Um, you know, we're, I know we're going to get more specific, but broadly speaking, uh, people in Maine can expect uh, when the bill passes to see lower health care costs, um, cleaner, more affordable energy, uh, healthier communities with less pollution, uh, more good paying jobs, and serious climate investments that are, that are going to go a long way uh, toward protecting our future on this planet. Well, that's a good rundown. I like that list. Um, now, I spoke earlier uh, with our guest. We had a guest on from EDF about the clean energy investments being made. And I'd really like to hear um, from you about how this is, bill is going to focus investments on communities that have like historically been overburdened by pollution, environmental justice populations. Yeah, sure. Um, so the bill has like a total of 60 billion investments that you know are deemed to be targeted towards communities of color and other frontline and fence line communities, as we call them, um, that have often faced the worst impacts of uh, toxic pollution and climate fuel disasters or, or face those impacts first and worst, as we often say. Um, I, this isn't an exhausted list, but I'll, I'll list a few of those provisions from the bill. Um, and just know that a lot of the programs that are funded by the bill do have uh, 
portions of them that are directed towards these communities specifically, um, even if the whole program isn't uh, just for that. But uh, a few programs I wanted to highlight uh, in the environmental justice space, there's uh, a program in the Forest Service that supports um, tree planting in cities and towns, and that has a lot of ancillary benefits. Uh, you know, beyond just preventing heat islands, but also you know, improving air quality and general quality of life. Um, there's $1 billion in uh, support for improvements to affordable housing, uh, specifically targeted at making uh, houses more energy and water efficient uh, and making them more resilient to the effects of climate change. Um, there's a whole slew of measures, and I'm talking billions of dollars here, as we so often are with the bill of this size, um, directed at reducing air pollution uh, and pollution in general. Uh, you know, and that's through strategies like uh, buying zero emission machinery at ports, you know, big heavy industrial facilities like ports uh, or heavy, heavy shipping and trucking. Um, it also includes uh, funding the construction of natural solutions to prevent uh, stormwater runoff and uh, noise and heat islands uh, and a lot of other uh, pollution associated with you know, major roads and highways and other transportation infrastructure. Um, it also invests in a, a greenhouse gas reduction fund uh, that serves to help uh, states and tribes finance uh, clean energy infrastructure projects. Uh, it has environmental climate and justice block grants um, that help build capacity to reduce pollution within affected communities. Um, and then there's, there's one thing that maybe isn't the main focus here that I, I wanna make sure it gets a bit of highlighting is uh, permitting. Um, you know, throughout the bill, there's almost a billion dollars uh, invested across federal agencies to help improve environmental permitting processes. Uh, and across all of these agencies, these investments are directed towards uh, improving community input and public engagement, which is so important in making sure that communities uh, get their voices heard when decisions are being made uh, that could impact their health or lead to pollution in their uh, communities. Oh, that's fabulous. Thanks for that. Um, another topic that I just wanted to get your perspective and, and some details on are farming and agriculture, right? That's a, obviously an important part of Maine. Um, I understand there are some provisions in this Inflation Reduction Act that help the agricultural sector reduce emi emissions, uh, and improve climate resiliency. Can you speak about a few of those? Sure, yeah, we, we are at NWF, we are very excited about um, some of the agricultural conservation measures in the bill uh, has big investments in climate smart agriculture and uh, USDA conservation programs. Uh, the, the total for ag conservation is over $21 billion. Uh, and that is the largest investment in ag conservation since the Dust Bowl. Hmm. Uh, so like I said earlier, it's a big deal. And this one especially is. Um, so the, the investments largely go to existing programs that uh, producers in Maine might already be familiar with. Uh, generally, they all help either provide incentives or provide assistance um, to help farmers adopt uh, soil, water, or climate-friendly practices uh, on the farm. Um, so if, if your listeners are familiar with some of the names, it's like the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, uh, the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program, um, Conservation Stewardship Program. Uh, and then also conservation technical assistance for, for farmers from uh, the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Um, they're, they're really popular programs. Uh, I know they get a lot of attention from Maine's congressional delegation, um, and they've consistently been oversubscribed uh, since they were founded. Uh, so with this big influx of farming, they'll finally be able to 
meet the demand uh, from farmers and ranchers uh, you know, who want these incentives and want, want this assistance and um, adapting practices to, like I said, sequester carbon in soil, uh, reduce emissions, um, and uh, ultimately, you know, sign them up to, to be part of the fight against climate change. That's really great. And I love the idea of just investing in programs that we know are work and there's high demand for, and we know, you know, farmers are using because, you know, and it often happens with conservation programs. Like I know there is a big um, campaign around funding for the land and water conservation fund, which was successful and here in Maine, land for Maine's future. Uh, and so it's just great to see those investments sort of like double down to really to really have a, a good impact. Um, can you that was that was a great picture of like specifically how, you know, farmers uh, potentially in Maine could be helped. Can you paint a few more pictures of you know, specific examples of how Mainers lives could be will be improved when this bill is passed? Yeah, yeah. So I, I mentioned at the outset, there are some serious healthcare provisions in here that should reduce costs uh, for Mainers. Um, I'm not uh, the, the National Wildlife Federation is not the uh, the organization to tell you all about those. Um, so I'll focus on uh, you know the climate conservation uh, resilience investments here. Uh, uh, the big one I wanted to start with for Maine specifically is um, there's a big chunk of coastal investments through the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, 2.6 billion dollars targeted at uh, climate resilience along the nation's coast. Mm. Um, and to, to get a little bit more specific there on like what that money can get spent on, um, you know, it's anything from ecosystem restoration for coastal habitats, um, it includes marine habitats and even fisheries are specifically called out. So, you know, with fisheries being such a big part of the main economy, I think that that will be a pretty important component of the bill. Mm. Um, and then just given the amount of, uh, the amount of communities that are located along the coast and dependent upon the coast. Um, yeah, that, that pot of money also will go towards uh, storm and disaster preparation to increase resilience for those communities. Um, and also, you know, it goes towards, as it's put in the bill, projects that sustain uh, coastal marine resource dependent communities. So communities that are built on fishing, built on coastal tourism, et cetera, um, will get support through that provision. Um, a couple more things, uh, maybe a little bit more inland for the folks who don't live along the coast. Um, the national parks get a pot of money for ecosystem restoration and resilience. I know those, you know, for me personally, at least are a big draw uh, to get up to the state of Maine. Um, yep. For uh, private forest holders, there's, uh, there's funding through the Forest Service for um, state and private forestry to, uh, to help forest owners uh, uh, engage in climate resilient practices on their land and also uh, access things like you know, emerging carbon markets um, using their land. Uh, and some of those are actually targeted at smaller landholders and uh, underserved uh, landholders. Um, and then lastly, something, you know, just for folks who are interested in buying electric vehicles, um, it, there are electric vehicle tax credits included in the bill. Uh, some mainers might be eligible. Those, those are subject to um, like income-based eligibility requirements. Um, and then there's also support for um, communities, specifically non-urban, or low-income communities to build out charging infrastructure to make it easier and more practical to, to own an electric vehicle where you live. Fabulous. I love those examples. Lots of good ones. And um, I wanted to just wrap up by asking um, you sort of personally what you're most excited about in this bill. And then, then 
you know, how can we as Mainers help get it across the finish line? Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that the Inflation Reduction Act is the most significant climate legislation in decades. And when it passes, uh, it'll be the, the biggest federal investment uh, in emissions reduction ever. Um, so it's a huge deal. And, you know, what excites me the most is that Congress really is poised to make these bold climate investments mm-hmm. um, that, that, that'll build a foundation for the country to reach uh, net zero emissions by mid-century. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I really cannot emphasize that enough, how big a moment this is. Um, if you're interested in helping to get this across the finish line, uh, the best thing to do is always to, to reach out to your senators and representatives, um, call, email, uh, write a letter, um, write, write to your local paper um, and call on them to support the bill. Um, you know, it, it should be moving through Congress very quickly. Uh, we're hoping to see it uh, move through the Senate uh, this weekend or later this week. So um, reach out as soon as you can, um, get in there and uh, make your voice heard with your representatives. That's great. Thanks so, uh, so much. I mean, just having this conversation um, with you and Toby about, about the details of the bill and the impact on Maine, just lots of great reasons why um, NRCM and our partners here in Maine are going to be watching this closely, why we care so much about it, and why we're going to be, you know, encouraging Maine's congressional delegation to support this monumental bill, encouraging our supporters to encourage the congressional delegation to support the bill as well. You know, NRCM and um, several other public health, labor, conservation, clean energy organizations are putting out statements urging urging that support. So um, really to grasp that opportunity, like you said, it is really exciting. Um, well, thanks, thanks so much for joining us, Ross. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time, giving us your perspective, the perspective of NWF. Um, I wanted to wrap up. I understand you're heading to Maine soon for vacation. Tell us what you'll be doing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I am lucky enough that my family has a lake house uh, near Ellsworth on a lake called Branch Lake. Um, Fabulous. That my grandparents built around 1980. And, uh, we still have it here in the family. So um, it is my favorite place, favorite place on earth. And it's a huge part of, uh, you know, what made me want to be a climate and wildlife advocate you know, all the time I've spent there, uh, chasing frogs, learning to fish, uh, listening to loons, et cetera. So yeah, I'm, I'm driving up on Saturday, meeting a friend who just moved to Lewiston and, uh, hopefully getting some mountain biking in up there. Uh, and then I'll get to the lake, see a lot of my family and, uh, uh just in, enjoy the, uh, all, all the sights and sounds Maine has to offer. Oh man. Well, enjoy your time in camp. That sounds, uh, sounds like a really special place. And like you said, a great way to just relax, enjoy Maine and uh, see your family. So um, thanks again for joining us um, and have a great trip up to Maine. Um, I also just wanted to give a special thanks to all of our listeners as always for tuning into another episode of frontline voices if you like what you heard please share with your family or friends give us a review be sure to get outside like i have like ross is is about to to get outside and enjoy maine in the summertime thanks for listening to maine environment frontline voices if you enjoy this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the main people, science, and the law to protect and enhance 
about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.